Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. My name is Tom Douglas. And I'm Terry Rotiro, the chef in the hat. We have a, a whole live, uh, very live audience uh, today uh, waiting for their breakfast sandwich. You know, they'll be sated after that, and then we'll have to really prop them up. Yeah. I'm Tom Douglas, uh, owner of a few joints here around Seattle, including uh, this one right here that we're in, the Hot Stove Society in the beautiful Hotel Andra, Great downtown spot. Seattle. Uh, we've been here now for, what, eight years or so, seven years? Feels like 20, but... Yeah. <laughs> a long time. Uh, Pam has been our producer now for... When's your When's your year anniversary? April. Yeah, so in April will be a year, so that's cool. awesome. Uh, so many tasty subjects today. Uh, you know, the market is starting to come back alive. Uh, we're excited about that down at Seatown. At the north end of the Pike Place Market, they've been doing this construction project to replace sewer lines. Uh-huh. Ah. Not good. not good for business. No. No. You should see Madison. Try to tell people Same who live in Madison. Madison. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So well, we're excited to get rid of all that construction debris. Uh, it's peak of the season time, and Pamela loves beets, and I don't. And I do. And you do. You lost. We'll so see. it looks like see that's two to one. Two on one. What do you guys think about beets? Love it. Yes. Raise your I hand. How's your hand? I got yes. a couple of thumbs down out there. there. I'm, I don't feel. Normally, yeah. I'm flying solo if, when it comes to beets, but I've got a few, uh, a few cabin mates. Uh, we have creative recipes showing the f- versatility of ground meats. I never thought much about ground meats in salads until I started eating in Thai, thai restaurants. Yes. You know that labnar, right? That's exactly the inspiration. Yeah, I just never thought about it much. Or like I'll have a taco salad or something of that nature. The three kernels, Julia Child's master recipe for an unusual whole grain winter side dish. Is Colonel Sander in there? I don't mm-hmm. believe so. <laughs> Two segments with Trey Lamont today. He is uh, our partner in his spice rub called Trey Lamont's Jerk Rub. And it is um, it's on our shelves now and it's starting to populate in stores around the country. And Trey's going to be here to talk about it and to talk about jerk spice. Uh, I've been using it lately. Matter of fact, we're doing it on, um, on a new menu I was working on on sweet potatoes with coconut milk. That was wow! That's so good. That, Wasn't that, that good? balance of yeah. flavor. Yeah. Oh. That sounds delicious. Kitchen conundrums from our audience. Any any of you guys out there have uh, problems in the kitchen? Or are you all never perfect? look at these people? They look, look like them. they're not a one. Masters they, of their craft. Masters of their universe. And lastly, we're going to play our Rub with Love Tasty Trivia Challenge, which I fully intend on winning today. Uh, I'm going to do a little plug for if, as my taste of the week, if you don't mind, a little self-serving plug. I've invested in a bison ranch. I thought you were going to say bicycle. I was going to in Montana. I'm invested in a bison ranch in Montana. It's a really sweet couple that's doing it. And if you keep an eye on, I'm not sure what channel it's going to be on, Discovery or something like that. Uh, They have five or six episodes that are going to start airing in July, August about them. They're very beautiful people. uh, And they raise a nice bison. And so I did some product um, development development for... Our bison, and uh, in Costco right now, they're testing our black bean bison chili. Mm. And so yesterday we were serving it, or this last weekend we were serving it at Seatown like as a little free sample. And then yesterday uh, we were doing a menu tasting for a project I'm working on, and it was bison chili, uh, bison chili tater tot casserole. <laughs> tater tot? With, good? with fried onions, with fried onions on top, and a little uh, Beecher's cheese. Okay, oh, t- 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 this audience would have have a bite of that, or who's scared of that? 
Oh, there's wow. two, two people who throw their hand up. Wow, and, uh, that's, that's uh, now I'm scared. Well, what I'm asking everyone to do, our listeners, go out and support the bison chili at Costco so that Costco wants to keep it on their shelves. Right. And by the way, bison is a very nice, clean meat. It's very um, unknown to a lot of people, but it's a very delicious meat. If you like beef, if you don't like beef, then uh, probably not. But if you like beef, you're definitely going to be impressed by bison. You know, it's, there is some, it's a beautiful meat. There you go. Delicious. All right, Chef, what is your taste of the week? My taste of the week is a dinner, a whole dinner, and it was at Tomo a couple nights ago in White Center. There's a, a, it's a fairly new restaurant, um, fairly new restaurant. It's very, uh, you know, unassuming. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's very hard. It's, it's a bit hard to find because there is no sign. <laughs> One of those places. You know, you're like, where is it? And it's the modern way, it. right? Call if them you and can't they go, find it, you want to go more. <laughs> and they open the door, they go, would you like to come in? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's in, uh, in White Center, like I said. And uh, it's the, uh, the chef used to work at Kenless and um, decided to go on his own. And uh, I must say, as a culinary experience, it was a serious eye-opener. It was beautifully done, extremely inventive. A bit out of the uh, of the, the or out no, wait, of the wait. Are you talking about Tomo or the bison chili that I made? No, no. The, <laughs> well, the chi- we moved on from the chili. Oh, okay. one second two. Um, anyway, I, w- I would recommend it as a dining experience. It's uh, extremely creative, inventive, but it comes through. As in, it's not a a gimmicky kind of idea where you're like, where is my food or where is whatever. It it was really delicious, and the wine program they have is absolutely outstanding. Lots of Underrated, small producer, uh, very unknown, a lot of them. And um, a delicious, delicious concentration. Is have a concentration on orange wine, which if you don't know, you should learn about it. But um, anyway, all those different components. You got a minute. Tell them what orange wine is. Orange wine is a very, very old, um, originally somewhere around Slovenia, um, our part of the world, where they used to take the wine and age it in amphoras in the ground. You know, so the, in the ground, so it stays cool, but in amphoras, which is basically clay, and um, they still practice a similar idea in, in the Rhone Valley when you think of um, ideas like Chateauneuf-du-Pape and places like that where they have cement um, container where they age the wine in, and it's kind of the same kind of context, except it's not concrete, it's amphoras. So, but anyway, the orange wine is basically a, a, a white wine that's made like a red wine, higher skin content. So you eventually get a little bit of that coloring onto your wine. It's a, it's a very old tradition that's making a comeback, and that's nice. And they have a little focus on that. It's, it's just nice to bring that back. It's very hip. Oh, to definitely. Be, be it's in, definitely to part be of in a, the orange wine. It is definitely part of a hip movement, but yeah. there are some great things to Which come out not, of that, it's not, like anything else. Like you said, if it's not backed up with deliciousness, then it's, it's a problem. Correct. And his, it sounds like his restaurant is backed up with deliciousness. Yes, I would recommend um, the... Bottom line is once you swallow the damn thing and you're smiling, that's a good experience. There you go. <laughs> when we come back, it's uh, beets. Do you love them? Do you hate I them? Love How them. do you make them? Right here on the Hot Stove Society Show, Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. <laughs> it's Hot Stove Society Radio right here on Cairo. We're diving headlong into the show today. We have two hours of deliciousness, and we're excited about beets. Just beat it. Keep, keep going. I had to, I had to do yeah. that once. Okay, we're excited about beets. Pamela, um, could you give a little dissertation about 
um, I mean, you're the one forcing this on me because yeah. you know I hate beats. But uh, yeah. why do you feel it necessary to put beats on a show that I host? <laughs> <laughs> and just, pay. just and to pay. get back at you, just to get back <laughs> mostly. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I'm a late to the game beat lover because I grew up hating them and. They came out of a can, and I thought this, or pickled, which I fi- still find disgusting. Uh, but then when that brand, Terra Chips, came out and they started doing the assortment with the beets and yams and all that, I, wa- I tried to learn how to make them at home. So I got into heavily roasting beets, super thin, charred, and that turned it around. And then I know you guys have the best cookbooks in the world. But another favorite of mine, Yotam Otolenge, uh-huh. oh, yeah. uh, who is coming to town. Yep. Get your friggin' tickets now, May 8th at Benaroya. I know, I saw uh, that. <laughs> um, in his books, and in plenty, the first uh, beet recipe I did was with oranges and black olives. And then that took it in a whole another dimension, so... What about you, Terry? How I are we going to talk? I, I'm a big beets? fan of, uh, um, and so is my wife. She, we often have a, a beet salad. You know, you just take the, salad, the beets that have been roasted. We usually roast them whole, skin on and all that, and keep it in the fridge that way, you know, for a few days. If you're going to have a, a, you know, if you're going to roast some beets, roast a few more than you need. And then when we take them out, we just peel them off, cube them, flash them in the oven for a few minutes so they have a room temp. Um, I'm a, not a big fan of cold frozen beets that's not no. my thing i like them to be room temp or slightly warm put them in there and then toasted walnuts and fried shallots and a little bit of drizzle of balsamic vinegar or something of that nature and to me that makes it's very simple and olive oil obviously um it's a very simple way to use beets but this time of year is when the beet are in ecstasy i mean they're like full of sugar this is when they taste the most beautiful, I think. Very, they have that deep earthiness, but they also have that beautiful sweetness, you know, then you're associated with beets. And I think this time of year, they've gone through the whole winter and they're totally concentrated. They're really delicious right now. Mm. Well, I have two questions from there. You didn't peel them when you said you pulled them out of the fridge. Did you? Did you no, 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 peel you, them. You do peel I, yeah, them. Yeah. And then when I'm in the markets in Paris or but, wherever in, in France, you always see the beets pre-roasted. Yeah. They're just sitting there like next to the bananas, but they're they, cooked. It's about the only thing cooked on the ship. They the- often are pre-roasted and peeled in a bag, cryovac, uh-huh. and they sell them like three or four beets at a time. Yeah, I even see them just sitting out in, in the yeah, air. Yeah, that too. But, but they sell them. Oh, yeah, it's very common in France to have them, you know, just... Is that just you, to make it simpler for people or correct. is there a reason for it? It's because they probably found um, a different way to sell beets. You know, beets by its uh, well. I mean, that's usually the way this kind of stuff comes up, yeah. right? So they, some, they'd sell more beets if they had done that job. They sell yeah. they sell more beets having them already mm-hmm. cooked and peeled because it takes a you know. I mean, if you if you makes your hands red, if you're impromptu, Purple, yeah. it's not a good idea. But that just goes to prove people love beets, but they like them to be done you know a yeah. bit further in. And those beets that they sell are big. They're like yeah. Baseball size beets, right, yeah. Right. And those are, I'm actually, they're very delicious beets. They're made just for that purpose. It so. might surprise you to know that there is a beet recipe in my first book. My, <laughs> I am surprised. Yes, yes. What is it? If you'd ever read my book, you would know that. But it's called uh, My Mom's Harvard Beets. Oh. And I grew up with these, but they're a little bit different. She was the pickled beet in a jar woman that would put oh. it on, like, you make this beautiful turkey or, you know, something that takes all day, and then you put. 
pickled beets out of a jar as the garnish on the side. So that and pickled peaches, right? Like spiced peaches or something. Talking about killing a dish. <laughs> oh, it was horrific. And then I got caught giving them to the dog because it made the dog's lips purple. So, Busted. I have adapted her sweet and sour beets, which is literally beets that are just cooked and then literally like orange juice, vinegar, and honey, and cornstarch, making a glaze for the mm. beets. And then I added, I like actually like beet greens. Yeah, beet greens are delicious. So they're, they're really good. And I like the size beets to come with the fresh green still on the top. I'm not a big, massive, unless I'm doing something fun like a beet carpaccio where you slice them super thin, you make it look like a beef carpaccio, right. but it's beet, you know, it's, right. then I'm okay with the larger ones. But I really, if I'm going to have to eat beets, then I want the smaller ones and I want the greens with it. I love those. I mean, the greens are super and you delicious. And just like you do spinach, right? It's yeah, like or kale quick, or whatever. Quick I mean, it's the same. And, yeah. yeah, quick saute and then season and that's it. It's very simple, but it's very tasty. You know, it's not like kale is very much one, stri- one, one kind of flavor. Well, I think beets is a little bit more than that. It's bringing more roundness to it. If you're going to force me to eat beets, and I don't know why this is, but uh, I like the golden beets better than the red beets. Mm, I not- love them together. <laughs> you that's like them the, together? That's the rainbow happiness right there. And so, t- uh, Chef, maybe you know, how do you keep the color from cross? Well, don't cook them cross- together, number well, one. Obviously. <laughs> That would be the number one thing not to do. Okay. And then the rest is just salt water and then put them in a, in a bath. Well, does the color set in those? I don't remember. Cause yeah. I, haven't yeah. cooked, I haven't cooked beets in a long time. I know. Yeah. No, no, they uh, do. Does the color set? Once, yeah. once they're cooked, they don't cross over as much, no. right? Yeah. Well, they don't bleed. I mean, again, keep them separated if you want yellow and you want red. Yeah, but you're going to serve them together in a plate. And you don't want it to. Correct. So you, what you don't want is to have your beets to be dripping. Like if they come just out of dry. the broth. Yeah. You know, if you have them in a in a courbouillon or whatever, then they're going to be dripping everywhere. But otherwise, you, when you slice your your uh, tomato your uh, beets, pardon me, you just slice your beets and then you put the yellow one on top, so only one side is touching the red, okay. and that won't discolor the beets. All right. So then um, let's talk about roasting beets because that's generally. I mean, when you said courbouillon, I mean that is like I haven't done that in forty years. What is that? It's like a it's like a scented it's broth. It's like a poaching liquid that you make. Oh oh oh! To oh poach. Nobody yeah. nobody does that with their beets, chef. No, nobody does I hate that to with beets. Break it to you, but it's I mean, 2022. You know what? It will be hot again, just like the mini skirts and the uh, bell bottom. <laughs> mini skirts are okay. back. So I for me, when I roast back beet, one time, when I roast the beet, I just uh, you know trim them up a little bit, to, like trim the hard tops off. Although you don't have to, uh, and then you simply just put a little bit of olive oil on and throw them in the oven. Yeah. Uh, one trick is to put a piece of foil over your cookie sheet because they do want to drip, and that dripping, they're full of sugar, and it caramelizes to your pan, and it's a pain in the neck to, to scrub off. My advice is nothing goes in the oven without a piece of foil on the bottom. Really? Nothing. Everything drips. Everything eventually <laughs> bleeds, and everything has to be clean. <laughs> so I always, either parchment, parchment or seal pads too, yeah. or uh, aluminum foil, one of those three, um, something to collect the juice that comes out. No matter what you roast, it, there's always something that comes out because so, there's moisture. So, um, But um, another way to, um, to do beets is in a borch style. And this time of the year, this is a great, great time of the year to do that beet soup. I know many people go, oh, beet soup. But it's actually, not, it's actually really a delicious dish to do with pickled onions. And you do basically you, you have your roasted beets, you blend them, 
other little vegetable stock or chicken stock, and you put um, uh, pickled onion, mm-hmm. obviously sour, sour cream, cream or creme yeah. fraiche. Big fan of creme fraiche. And then lots of chives, you know, th- which are just brand new now. They're coming out of the ground. So some nice chopped chives right on top of that, a nice cracked pepper, and then you're done. When I was at Cafe Sport, I used to have a dish of borscht on the menu, and I put a nice couple of charred, rare saddle of venison slices with the borscht. Oh. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, if you have a saddle venison of venison in your fridge, that's <laughs> it. it makes the beat taste when good. When we right? come back, let's talk about ground meats. Because so often they get kind of put over into meatloaf or burgers or something of that nature. There's plenty of other things to do with them. So uh, that's coming up next on the Hot Stove Society Show. Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. We're here for two hours every weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully you listen in sometime. And, you know, uh, we're planting the greenhouse now out at Prosser Farm. And uh, we are remulching our yard. I mean, we're getting ready for spring the sprung or spring to sprang. Yeah, this this week. Spring to spring. This week it's going to break the shovel if you try to break the ground. (laughs) Pamela, you're a gardener. Uh, You must be getting super excited. Both of you guys are gardeners. Yep. Stuff's popping up. Um, I was a little worried. I've got a heliobore collection. Oh, we covered Everybody those. knows Lent, yeah. Lent and Rose, and uh, they didn't like the snow because they were in full flower. Ah. And then the snow just laid on. They were like, whoa. I looked, I looked but at, they, were popping, they were popping back this morning. Crocuses yeah. oh, I looked, are coming I looked up. looked at mine, and they look like they've been confit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they look a bit like that. Right now in the backyard, if you haven't covered, we have a Daphne, a, a, a beautiful bush oh, of Daphne. Yes covered that just just to be safe i know it can take cold but it's pretty hard when they start announcing 20 i'm like hold on one second here yeah just in case because everything has been going kind of nutty a little bit so it's been waking up and going oh it's springtime like the little daffodils and everywhere and oh can i do a quick aside sure we're for a group tomorrow we were supposed to do the green garlic toast but it's not available yet is there something can I use ch- the chives? Garlic chives. Yeah, Garlic chives. Chives. Yeah. chives. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. They're Thank available you. at uh, always at Wajamaya or any a- Asian grocery. So. Or, or baby leeks if you have any. Like, really oh, that's a good idea. Thin baby The garlic leeks. chives are still better. If you use the leeks, then you have to add some garlic to it. Right. <laughs> they just don't have the garlic Garlic chives punch at all. Okay, let's talk about ground meats, Chef. Yeah. Uh, Pamela is concerned that we're only making meatballs out of our ground meat. These days, which There's is so funny. Much more than it's meatballs. funny because she you is know, a meatball aficionado and would. Um, what is when you die and I'm cooking your your funeral dinner? Isn't it supposed to be like a meatball fantasy? Isn't it supposed yeah, to be like meat- with with lamb and turkey? Lamb, uh, just two just different two meatballs? two different meatballs. No fish. Okay. No. <laughs> See. See. Anyway. Right away, I'm going into a section. She's like, "Oh no, absolutely not." Yeah. Anyway, so we know you love a good meatball. So, yeah. um, but let's talk about how to use ground meat, and I'll jump off uh, right away because um, for me, I was tempted to make a salad like they do in Thai restaurants called larbnar. I think it's called lobna, huh? Larb, larb, something like larb, L-A-R-B, right? Yeah. And uh, it's just, they, it, it rarely ever comes even browned. It's mostly right. just poached. Uh, and then it's got s- such a nice run of lime juice and chili peppers and all the kind of nok chom kind of 
characteristics to it, and really just on a bed of whatever greens you have, cucumbers, maybe some tomatoes, some peeled carrots or something of that nature. And it's just the ground meat is put over top warm, which is what I like about it. It's kind of like a little bit of a wilted salad. And I never would have thought about that except having it at a Thai restaurant. Yeah. I think when I think of ground meat trying to make it different a little bit, you know, to change the pace, I think of uh, like tataki, you know, the Japanese skewer with the beef on it, except you use the meatball and you, you know, punch them and then skewer mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and then do the same seasoning, a little bit of soy and um, sugar and what else is in there, Tom? Soy, sugar. And I think probably a little sesame oil, but I don't, oil, I don't yeah. know, but yeah. Anyway, and then the grill or, or just flat top if you have a, and if you don't have a flat top, a, a cast iron pan can work. Just make the skewer the same, you know, same length as the uh, bottom of the pan. But if you get a cast iron pan really, really, really hot, you can get the same effect as a, as a flat top. Uh-huh. So that's, that's one way to get that around into your house. Just measure things ahead of time. But if you do those, those ground, that ground beef, you know, to usually it's beef. So ground beef, well seasoned. Tons of sesame seed, toasted. You toast your sesame seed first, then you put it in the beef, ground it together. I mean, uh, um, pile it together into mm-hmm. the skewer, and then sear it down into a, a nice little uh, cast iron pan. And you'll have this wonderful glaze of uh, soy, sugar, and a bit of sesame oil on top. Yeah, you just have to be careful though when at you're putting end. that. You got to put that on at the end. If you're going into a burning hot cast iron oh, yeah. pan, that stuff's just going to burn well, the, before you, the meat ever cooks. I rather have the hot cast iron pan, no seasoning on it. So I can get the searing on the beef uh-huh. on the outside. And then when it's almost done, then I brush the, the soy sesame yeah. on top. It goes and quick. Then, you know, flip it one second back onto the heat side. So you get that caramelization right away and then you're done. When you go through the Mediterranean um, and you get uh, lots of kefta. And that's yeah. one of the cool things about kefta is that it really does limit your meat intake because it's 50% bulgur wheat pretty much. And it that's is a, a favorite. Of yours, yeah. You make it very often. Yeah. You've, I've, I've made I've it had for it at your house I've made before. It for yeah. You even. yeah. On the what skewer. What did you just call me? <laughs> I said I've even made it for you. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> I thought she called me something, a name no, under no. her breath. No, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a good way to ex- extend it. Uh, as is ground mushrooms yeah. or something. When you, you just have to make sure you don't meat. put seventy-five percent boulder and ten percent meat because that wouldn't work. That'd be dry. I've had I've had kefta that were. Too dry. Too dry. It so, also wouldn't stick to the skewer, I don't think. Correct. Yeah. It breaks down. It's not very, you know, you have to make sure you put enough beef in there. Now, this next dish that I like to talk about, because I order it all the time, especially at my golf club for lunch. It's called a burger. It's called a taco <laughs> salad. <laughs> oh, taco salad. I have salad. no idea if, you know, I haven't been to Mexico all that many times, but I certainly didn't see any in Mexico City when I was there. No. I think it's an American thing or Tex-Mex thing. I don't know, honestly. <laughs> But um, I love a good taco salad. Yeah. Uh, it's just a big pile of greens and avocados and tomatoes. And you take your taco seasoning um, and just saute up the meat, put it right over top. Who in the audience loves a good taco salad? <laughs> Do you have any tricks to make it? What makes it the best? Does anyone want to come up to a microphone and tell us what makes your taco salad the best? Come on up to this microphone. We'll, we'll get to you. Chef, have you ever had a taco salad? Oh, yes, many times. No, you have I, taco salads. I have a taco salad, but I've never had it with ground beef, only with beef pieces. Like, like carne like asada slice. type yeah, thing? Yeah, asada, yeah. Uh-huh. Sir, what do you put in your taco salad that makes it over the top? 
Come right up to that mic. It's not necessarily what I put in it, but I have to have that fry, fresh fried crispy flour shell. Oh, really? Yeah, you make the big me, bowl on it. the shell? It's that, the that shell. That is, is like when, when that's done right, it makes everything else just perfect. So, yeah. Every, you know, it's just so shell. funny that's because I always shell. order mine without the shell. Oh, you're missing out. Yeah. No, it's And the without shell. the sour cream. And do you use the bad black olives in the can or? My, my wife really likes those. I don't like olives, really. Oh, at all. So I kind of stay away from them. You don't <laughs> put them on your fingers and eat them like my, my kid my used to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I don't do the olives. All right. Okay. Thanks for sharing about the flour tortilla. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the key to success. Really? What about, uh, can we uh, talk about dark turkey meat, the thigh meat? Yeah. I think I'm so glad you can find that in the stores more for a quick dinner. The pre-ground. The pre-ground. Yeah. Thought, yeah. So what are you making with that? Curries. You're oh, making yeah. a ground beef curry? Tur- ground turkey. Turkey, well, that's yeah. What I meant. Ground beef curry, <laughs> sorry. Ground, yeah, with what? I want to hear pot- more. Sweet potato, coconut milk, and. Exactly. Uh, what else? Onions? Every, everything. Green Turmeric. beans I love in, in a curry stew. Uh huh. And I just think uh, that dark turkey is the perfect way to start it. Mm-hmm. Well, dark turkey meat is definitely. So, any dark meat is better for me, at least better in flavor than. The white meat, so that's definitely not a problem. And it also sustains cooking much better, especially in a stew form, kind of like, you know, like a, like a curry idea. Because it's fattier, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And it, it's, it's got muscles and everything, so it can take cooking, it can take heat, where the, the breast is usually like you have to be a little bit more in touch with what's going on if you don't want to dry it out. So. And it's great stuffed into things, too, great stuff into squash or scooped out eggplants mm-hmm. and it's just Cornish game hens. But we used to always make those kind of meat rice, wild rice stuffings. You remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like oh. hot. It's I remember hot when that. The, it's hot when people used to cook their beets in court bouillon uh, 40 years ago. <laughs> in, in the 80s, in the 80s, yeah, in court bouillon, yeah. Um, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, in the 80s, yeah, there used to be wild rice and ground, yeah, and yeah. ground meat. That was a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's nice, but, I mean, there are better things to do with your wife. You know, <laughs> I kind of do that stuffing, as you know. I kind of use that ground meat with wild rice in my stuffed cabbage rolls. And I use the, the dark turkey meat, but I, I have to blend it with pork. I use Italian sausage <laughs> and ground no turkey. No harm there. That's no. my idea. It's 50% uh, genmai, uh, like that fragrant brown rice, mm-hmm. uh, 10% wild rice for texture, and then the rest is the meat. Meat filling. I like brown rice. Brown rice is a good compromise. There's lots of different things going on with brown rice, so that's they're not all the same. No, no, no. Some that are much more fragrant than others. But another thing, not to forget, ground meat in the meatball stage. All you have to do is take your hand and smash it, and you had a burger patty. (laughs) Easy money. We were trying to do something outside of burgers. Oh, outside. Okay, (laughs) this is America. Let's talk about Julia Child's master recipes, the three kernels, when we come back on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stoves Show. All right, we're back in the kitchen. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. It's coming to you from downtown Seattle, 4th and Virginia. Uh, If you want a landmark, we're in the Hotel Andra. We're across the street from the old Dahlia, but it's now the Dahlia Bakery and Serious Pie. We're above Lola Brand new uh, redone. The Weston Hotel, the t- big two round towers, is one block to our east. If you if you don't know your way around downtown Seattle, that should be a landmark for you. Exactly. Get some idea where we're at. Um, Chef uh, Julia is a 
old friend of ours. True. Uh, and uh, we celebrate her birthday here with a walk-around tasting every August here at the hot stove. And Pamela is enamored with grains, and I know you are too. Uh, she has a book called uh, Julia Child, The Way to Cook, and my guess is that you can probably only get it used now in, in bookstores. I haven't seen a new copy. Probably, yes. Uh, and it's, but they're available by the thousands online. But I've been to many, uh, many people's houses over the year in a career, and uh, it's very rare to go to a kitchen and not see the way to cook. Yeah. It's very, most people have that book as a, either a doorstopper if you don't cook. It's big. Or as a, uh, as a Bible to go back to and refer to as a point of reference. I, I think it's a go-to book for sure. Yeah. And I love cookbooks, and I know you do too. Yeah. Uh, we, as a matter of fact, in the hallway, as you enter the Hot Stove Society, you'll see we have a lending library where you can... Um, you know, browse books while you're waiting to get into a class or something. Uh, and um, you can also drop a book if you want, take a book if you want. But this one never goes out there into the lending library because <laughs> we're always afraid we're not going to get it back. <laughs> For sure you would not. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let's talk about grains. She's got um, a master recipe for an earthy trio of whole grains, including wheat berries, which I don't mm-hmm. think people cook with very much. No. Barley. And brown rice. I mean, we talked a minute about brown rice in the last segment, uh, but um, you love barley, but I love it toasted. So for me, I'll take whole barley or tempeh, right. the sprouted, toasted, oven-roasted barley. Yeah, sampa. Sampa, sorry. Yeah. I throw the, the just the whole kernels of barley on a cookie sheet, pop it in the oven at 400, 450, and give it a toast for about 10 minutes until yeah. the, the, literally it starts to brown. You can even do this with uh, dried pasta, right. but it does want to crack when you cook or it. Or flour. You can, you can brown flour. You can brown rice flour. Uh, we did it on Iron Chef. We had sure. toasted rice flour uh, is what we uh, coated our salmon in for one dish. Any other tricks in making a grain somewhat different than what? That original intention was? Well, for me, I use grain. Um, I always have grain cooked in the fridge. And when I cook grain, for example, barley, farro, uh, quinoa, I'm going to call that a grain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like this. I always cook a batch. You know, I don't cook just one cup. I usually cook three, four cups, which turns into, you know, a quart container in the refrigerator. And the reason I do that is because I want to be eating it and remember to eat it. And if it stays in the dry cupboard, I don't see it as much. Well, it's in the fridge. I see it 10 times a day, and I go, okay, got to use that. Yeah. So it's a reminder, but it's also a very cool vessel to do a quick lunch. You know, if you don't know what to cook, think about it as rice. Think about it as it goes with anything. You could do a quick egg fry on top of your quinoa or on top of your uh, barley, let's say, toasted barley. Like Tom said, before you cook your barley, you, you toast it, and then you cook it. They will have a different flavor. It will have an, another flavor that's not there originally. So you have this base, and then you use that with all kinds of things. So a couple of vegetables. Right now, there are fresh, brand-new uh, radishes in the market. I just had some the other day. They were definitely piquant. I think they were fresh from the uh, springtime, I guess, coming mm-hmm. up. And um, they were super delicious, but radishes, uh, pickled vegetables, uh, cheese, all kinds of different things like this can be grated and can be or can be diced like smoked mozzarella. Um, you could do that and diced into your barley and make a wonderful salad for a lunch kind of idea. Let's uh, go back to the bit, beginning a little bit. You've got these grains. They're in your drawer. They're, right. You see them at the grocery store or whatever. Um, for me, 
uh, I, I'm not a big cooking them in stock person. If I want right. to cook my grains in stock, I generally want to, like, I'll make a risotto out of them, like a barley risotto. Instead of rice, I'll use barley, and then I'll take it with stock. But when I'm just cooking grains, like for the fridge or for a, a, a winter salad, this three-grain salad, whatever, I tend to not cook in stock. I tend to I'm just the cook same in way. water. I keep it plain because I've used, I use my grain, whether it's barley, quinoa, whatever. Rice. I use them for breakfast, mm. I use them for lunch, and I use them for dinner. So three different kind of thinking. One is with almond milk. The other one is with, uh, you know, for, for cereal idea in the morning. The other one is with lunch. So it could be, like I said, smoked cheese or, you salad. know, salad yeah. or eggs. And then for dinner, it's more like a garnish to a plate. You know, if I have a protein with that, like a meat or a fish, and I'm going to use the grain as a side, like a rice idea, mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of starch idea. So that's what I'm going to think about it. So that's why I like to cook it plain with water. Toasted, but with water. Yeah. Because you can always add the stock later. Correct. When I, when I use it for dinner to warm it up, I will put a little chicken stock in there and then give it all that flavor I need to add. Sauteed mushroom, whatever I want to add to that. Sauteed spinach, mm-hmm. you know, add all that stuff to that and make a nice little stew of that. When you're making um, soup, there's things that don't freeze well. Correct. When you're, when you're larding your freezer with little pints of soup. But barley does. Like yeah. pasta doesn't freeze well in there. It just keep, continues to soak up. Rice gets a little funky. Right. Uh, I tend to always just keep my rice or my pasta separately frozen. And then when I want that soup out of the freezer, I just combine them at that point. But barley is a beautiful soup grain that sure. uh, holds up lovely. Yeah. Beef barley soup is one of my favorites. Faro. You know, there's a, a farm on Highway 2. I don't know if you guys know this. The uh, Bluebird Grain Farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do a, a beautiful farro. Farro is like an ancient wheat. You know, it's like a, 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 yeah, it's an ancient wheat. So, but it's a delicious grain. I love this this kind of grain because it's very. To me, I find it very. Um, it's got so many different options. You know, it's like like I said, I use it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether any of these grains they're comfortable. You know, it's like it's easy. And they don't go bad. I mean, no. They found faro in the tombs when they went into in Egypt. Those faro. were dry. Those were Thousands pretty dry. Yeah. I think it took a little while to bring them back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, so mixing the grains is good. There's a, something you can find on the, in the rice area oftentimes with maybe 10 different kinds of rice and grains. Um, lentils are not the same. No. Sometimes people think of lentils as a grain, and they're not. They're, no. they're a bean. They're more starchy. They're more. They, and they break got, apart when they're over oversaturated right, with right. moisture. So it's hard to mess up grain uh, like farro, barley, all that. It's hard to mess them up. You know, you just slightly undercook them and then you keep them in the fridge. And again, when you want them, just pop them out. You know, and then either warm them up or not. But it's an easy and good for you item. You know, that's the part that's really cool. It's very good for you. And as you can imagine, Julia loved to mix them together. She would cook them with, uh, separately and then blend them and sure. with some bacon and bacon fat and butter. Uh, and then she would uh, mix cheese in and then stuff them in a tomato like you were just saying. And then uh, <laughs> I love the bacon then, fat and butter and yeah. any cream? Cheese. Any cream? No, no, no cream, but there's cheese. That's another fat. Oh, it's uh, so delicious. <laughs> put them in a tomato and roast it. That's such a classic old recipe. Don't be afraid. It's just cream. Coming up in the second hour is uh, Trey Lamont's going to join us here in the studio. Woohoo! Uh, for two segments to spice it up with his jerk rub. Audience members ask us, chef, be prepared. 
are out there conniving right now. Yeah, sure, yeah. Food conundrums, uh, questions. And, of course, we're going to finish up with our Rub with Love Tasty Trivia Challenge on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. Welcome back to hour number two of the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. Yay! We're excited that you're joining us. We have a live audience. They're uh, eating their Dahlia Bakery breakfast sandwich as we speak. And uh, I just ate mine. It was tasty, tasty. And the homemade English muffins. Those good. English muffins. Woo. So good. We're here at the uh, Hotel Andra, second floor. Come back and see us sometime. You can join us here in the studio for breakfast and hot coffee and you name it. Trey Lamont has joined us. If you're watching on, uh, on uh, Facebook Live, that's the beautiful face center stage right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that introduction, Trey. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm beautiful? You're beautiful. Uh, Trey uh, and uh, the Rub with Love team, uh, including me, have teamed up on a spice rub uh, earlier today. I said it was my taste of the week. Oh, uh, nice. It's so good. A, a spice rub sweet potatoes. Oh. No, I said that bison chili was my taste of the week. Now this is for the second hour my taste of the week. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Coconut, the milk, uh, coconut milk and jerk rubbed uh, sweet potatoes. Uh, so tasty. Uh, what are you thinking about the spice rub these days? Man, it this you guys have really helped out, and we got the uh, recipe down packed. It matches everything that uh, I created a long time ago. Yeah. And, and that was fun I, going through the process with you to kind of build the Build right to the point where you were, this is it. Right, because we, we, we source our spices and seeds from other places, so they're going to taste different. And that was very, very uh, unique experience to go, oh, we need to dial back on this spice because it's way more potent than what I get that's probably mm-hmm. been sitting around a little bit longer because you're able to um, move it a lot faster. Right. And... You know, it it was it was very it was lots of fun actually. It was good fun, and spice is generally sold in these big barrels, and then they break it down into us in the sizes that we can handle the twenty five pound boxes. You can imagine when they have to start breaking it down for a one ounce spice jar on the shelf, how many times it's been cut and how old oh, yeah. it actually is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's the most important part. Is the potency changes drastically. You know. Many of the spices you have on the market are more than a year old already. Right. And by you that know, time, like, you got to toss them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, by the time you get it, you're like, this is not very strong. All right. Tell us about the Jerk Shack in Belltown and how is it going? Well, we've been picking up uh, February. Um, I don't know if it's due to Black History Month or if it's just uh, winter ending. Mm-hmm. But usually February, we start picking back up in um, volume and it's been really busy uh at the jerk shack lately and you know it's it looks it feels like you know seattle's coming back downtown a little Uh bit and um it's not where it was yet but (laughs) that's for sure all we can do is hope that we can keep moving forward yeah i think there is a little bit more of a steady movement that's going on you know just by the fact i come from madison valley to downtown yeah Every week on Friday morning, right? And uh, there used to be, during the COVID, there used to be Fridays where I would just like, where is everyone? It feels yeah. like no one was around Close on down. a Friday morning at like 9 a.m. And you're like, where is, this? Where is everyone? Yeah. Now there is movement. So mm-hmm. there is some hope. I think there is definitely some hope into restoration of, of a good kind. So I think, I think it's coming. I think we're very lucky to live in a um, metropolitan area that we live in to where 
where people can uh, see people walking around <laughs> and get fresh air. We're with Evergreen State, so we have lots of you know trees and fresh air compared to some other cities that may not have as much as mm-hmm. we do. Right. So when when the weather permits, you know we we look outside and we go oh. It's safe to go back outside, and it feels good. <laughs> yeah, people are more scared of the weather than anything. So, yeah. so Trey, um, a few months ago you were on a radio show and you talked about your organization and the goal of what you were trying to accomplish. You want to give us a little rundown on that and an update? Yeah, that is uh, what you're referring to is the Jerk Shack Land Fund, which was a GoFundMe uh, page that we were raising money so that we could purchase land so that we can uh, build restaurants uh, the next jerk shack in the um, community, black and brown community, so that we could also take 49% of that land and sell it back to community members uh, so that they were uh, commercial real estate owners. Right. And now we're still actively searching for land to purchase in those communities. It was really hard. Uh, and for it to be zoned for commercial use at mm-hmm. the same time. Uh and Which, not be right across from a school, or you know, right. That's, you, you, I mean, I don't actually mind being across from a school if that if it if it allows because with what we're doing now, we're opening a location that we're leasing in the central district, which we will have a free breakfast program for kids mm-hmm. every morning. For uh, like, I want to be where schools are. I want to be where uh, where there's it just limits your ability to have a liquor license. Is all Correct. I'm suggesting. <laughs> Not that I hate children. I was, I was wondering right. where you were yeah. going. No, I knew, I knew the whole time Tom was going, I can't even go get my scotch over there. Well, the, the, the model that we're moving to is more uh, prepackaged liquor. It, obviously, you still need the liquor license and stuff for that, but we're moving to that model uh, and the more the fast casual, kind of more, more like the C-Town uh, that you have, mm-hmm. the C-Town uh, that you have in the market. And um, that dining aspect of it and it's it's just more conclusive to if a pandemic happens again or (laughs) (laughs) or anything or when it reappears because people are still going to need to eat and we need to be able to uh be on the front lines we we are technically essential workers all the time because we're chefs we feed people so that's right that's what we do tell us a little bit more about uh, when people come down to the jerk shack what they can expect to see on the menu uh, this spring well you can always get our jerk chicken definitely I think that uh, our jerk half chicken is our uh, signature dish you can't get that anywhere we do use the same spice rub that you see here with rub with love uh, we create that and uh, you can pick it up at your uh, at the restaurant or any Tom Douglas restaurant and quite a few stores now uh, any PCC in Washington State almost any PCC uh, most of them and hopefully we get in get get some larger containers and get them in Costco soon as well. That would be awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the Costco cracking Costco is always a challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you know we're we're not going to quit. And yesterday I got a phone call with uh, Amazon Marketplace and um, with their new uh, lead, and they're trying to see how they can boost our sales on there. But yeah, you can get it on Amazon now. Actually. I think we've had to restock about eight times um, since we started selling it on Amazon uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's nice. Just, 
That's the frustrating part about a new product is you just want it to go faster. Right. Uh, and it takes time. It takes time. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we can team up. All right. When we come back, it's more with Trey Lamont, how he got his restaurant started, uh, the kind of the history of Jerk Bit. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. All right, we're back in the kitchen. It's Hot Stove Society. Chef in the chapeau over there on the far mic. We, oui, Mr. Douglas. Tom Douglas uh, also on this end of the mic. And then uh, unusual in our center is uh, Trey Lamont is here from the Jerk Shack in, in uh, Belltown. Thank you. Thank downtown you. Seattle. And also uh, our partner in, his, we're partners with him in his spice rub, the Trey Lamont Jerk Spice Rub, and now available in your local grocery store or online or uh, we're trying to get it out there into as many locations as possible. Yes. So, Trey. Yes. Let's go back a little bit. Let's <laughs> a little bit of the history about how you got to Seattle or how you came to uh, love this jerk product. And it's, Give us your history. All right. Well, I was born and raised here in Seattle, actually, uh, University of Washington Hospital in <laughs> 1984. <laughs> but... Um, my my family background is Caribbean, Jamaican, and um, some folks come from Haiti and Trinidad as well. But uh, jerk is probably the most um, popular spice combination in the Caribbean, and especially Jamaica. And whenever I visited family in Jamaica or on, in the Caribbean at all, or even on the East Coast, and came back to Seattle or or the West Coast, that is, I couldn't find the flavors that I craved when visiting family members and, you know, my grandma in New York and, you know, and family members in Caribbean and I eat great food and I come back to the West coast and it's just like, blah. <laughs> thank you. Terry and I thank you for that. <laughs> you mean all the work we've been doing? Yeah. Is- no, yeah. Yeah. No. Thanks so much. I, man, look, <laughs> I thought we contributed to something. No, y'all, y'all food is great. What I mean is, I know what you mean. There's not enough umph in my food uh, in, in, yeah. in the variety here mm-hmm. in yeah. Seattle until the Jerk Shack opened up. There, there, there were actually a few um, other Caribbean restaurants which I love and respect, and it just didn't hit for me enough and. As, as well as other folks that actually visit. So we're, we, we live in Seattle, and when, when I look out into the audience and when I look at my customer base and when they uh, come into the restaurant, they usually come in and they go, we just came back from vacation and we can't find this food anywhere. Mm-hmm. Please hit the spot for us. And when they eat my food at the Jerk Shack, they go, oh, my God, thank you so much. And you know, that's what I want for people. And I also want for people who have never been anywhere else, when they come to Jerk Shack, when they taste the food, and then they do get a chance to go somewhere else, they go, okay, they're doing it right. They're doing yeah. it the right way. So when I use, I, I've been using a lot more Jerk Spice now yes. that we've been doing this. <laughs> uh, I did it the other night in a class here. It builds. Yes. Even as this as this Finnish spice, it builds mm-hmm. in flavor, bite, bite after bite after bite. Tell us how you... How you build a jerk spice because some people are going to want to try and make their own some people will take the shortcut and have the best one out here that's yours <laughs> uh you know what i'm saying it's like how do you build that flavor what are the what's the process building and developing this flavor of jerk every every jerk is going to be different obviously. like curry right every, yeah it's a house has it's a house own. special yeah it's a house exactly. blend yeah every, every every family yeah. has their own 
spice, you know, rub that they're gonna do. But a lot of a lot of folks don't actually do a jerk rub. They do a jerk marinade, mm-hmm. and just like curry, the way you do a jerk marinade is with the fresh ingredients. And the way we do it is, you know, the seeds, we grind the seeds to make the dry spice rub. And I prefer that way because, like you said, you can use it as a finisher as well as developing the flavor. So it's just, see, just like when we're cooking a cooking class, when we're teaching a cooking class, we're like, you got to season throughout. You got to season throughout and mm-hmm. you got to develop the flavors. You got to taste as you go. Same thing. We, I treat this like salt <laughs> I, I season before I season during and I season after and that's how you develop those flavors um, and those level, the different layers and they all taste different you're going to cook with it and you're, you're going to cooking it at the same time and you're going to taste some of it and you're going to go oh that tastes good but at the very end you're going to hit it just like you would with salt and you're going to go oh my god that tastes even better and it tastes different you know, when you're cooking it, when it's wet, you can wet it with oil and, you know, use it I as orange marinade. juice. Yeah. yeah, use it as uh, use that orange juice, sour orange, anything, lemon, all of that. It, it works. It's, it's just it's the same thing as you would use for salt or any other spice that you would want to definitely have the majority of the flavor. Jerk spice is mostly uh, all spice. Uh, well, not mostly, but you can't have jerk without allspice, which is the pimental berry and thyme, garlic and scotch bonnet or habanero, either one of those. But other than that, you can, you know, garlic, ginger, you know, all sorts of different spices um, can make a jerk just like you can do curry. It's a great uh, I just two days ago, we had a, a bean, tomato, kind of Italian soup. Uh huh. Um, and a sausage in it. Yes. And we finished it with jerk. Oh, that, my That was God. my first job at home. Finished it with the jerk spice on top. It's like, so, took it one step above. Oh. I mean, like you said, it just really brightened it up. And, and it wasn't too spicy for you? No. Because you didn't add that much, right? No, I mean, I, did, I oh. used it so that I could get the flavor of the finishing product, uh-huh. not just the main, you know. You have to, like anything else, you just use it and you taste Balance. it, like you said. Bring it to a boil for one minute and then you taste it. And then you go, okay, that's, that's hard enough for me. I think that the rub that we put out yes, together, yes. Uh, the rub with love here, uh, I think that it does, it's not spice as in hot spice heavy. Mm-hmm. It does um, have a back um, kick, but the thing is, it's about balance for us, mm-hmm. right? As chefs, we, we, we talk about balance and layering the flavors and making sure that it's not too hot to where you go, oh, I can't eat it, right? And the other day, I did a um, cannellini um, uh, uh, chili, uh, oxtail chili. I did oxtail. I braised the oxtail, cooked that down, got the meat off of it, and I did the jerk spice as um, the uh, flavor profile in there as well. And it was amazing. So, do, you know, do you know where it's good? Fresh goat cheese. Oh. Make a little bowl. Uh-huh. And then put the, ch- the, the jerk shack on top. Oh. And then... Pop that in. It's super delicious because fresh goat cheese is, you know, it's yeah, pretty, oh. bland, pretty bland and pretty creamy and rich. Nice. Then you put the jerk rub on that. It's so delicious. Let, let's give that, that pop I'm, that I'm you do don't that. have. <laughs> I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's coming from my background, never had jerk in my life. Uh, one of our chefs years ago uh, worked in the Caribbean for quite mm-hmm. a while on cruise ships and this and that. 
fell in love with jerk. Yeah. Started making it, and that's when I fell in love with it. But he always smoked it. Yeah. Is that something that is typical or not? I'm doing that today. I'm <laughs> I'm smoking a whole pig today. Are you? Uh, for for um, a private party uh, at the restaurant on Saturday, and I'm doing a whole pig that I brined in the jerk spice, uh-huh. and it's going to get smoked today. Um, and are you cooking it all the way th- with smoke, or are you just putting smoke on it and then going to roast it? I'm 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 smoking. You know what I mean it, by like for an hour? Right, or, right. Yeah, I'm smoking it for overnight, okay, and then cool. I'm going to roast it. Okay. at the end, so that skin gets nice and crispy. Yeah. And mm. All right, Trey, you're going to stay with us one more second. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to answer some questions from our audience uh, about their kitchen conundrums and maybe a little bit about jerk. We'll find out uh, on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot cool. Stove Society Show, ninety-seven three FM. We're back in the Hot Stove Society kitchen here on Cairo Radio. Trey Lamont is our guest from the Jerk Shack down in Belltown. Plus, you start into a whole bunch of things, including spice rubs now and uh, you name it. Trey's working his way through it. Uh, Chef Terry, are you ready for a speed round of questions from our audience? Yes, fire, please. Trey? I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready. Pamela, it's all you. Let's go. First one up. What is the best way to get more flavor out of garlic? Crush, slice, or whole? Trey, I think you've got an answer on this one. I would say crushing it because uh, the enzymes in garlic, the more you cut them and break it down, the uh, more garlicky it gets. So um, chemically, that's how garlic is. If you leave it wholer, it's more sweet. Nice. Tom, you take this one. Help! I need a good dinner party dish that don't rely on me cooking while guests are at my house. Beef okay. bourguignon. I was just going to say. <laughs> beef bourguignon. I, I stole his thunder. <laughs> I think that's a good... Or mushroom bourguignon. Then yeah. all you have to do is uh, just make the toast right at the last minute and delicious. Oh, Tom, you can take this one because it's related to the class you did for us this week. Can you give us some unusual uses uh, for the jerk rub or any of your rubs that are out of the ordinary and on the label? Uh, the... the I did the jerk rub this week. Um, I did it with sweet potatoes and coconut milk. Braised sweet potatoes mm. with jerk and coconut milk. So there's an unusual one. The other one I really like is our taco seasoning on greens, like mm. Swiss chard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The taco seasoning is super, it's for, intended for fish tacos, so it's super lemony and liney, and it just worked great on the ruby chard. So. I, I think the, uh, the idea of the, the fresh goat cheese curd <laughs> uh, wrapped up with the jerk rub around it is also a, a quick one. There you go. Uh, this is a baking question. How to enhance the outer texture of cookies while maintaining inside tenderness? Fast okay. heat. What? Fast heat. If you want Tell crunchy on the outside and tender on the outs- inside. Turn up your oven is what he said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or convection. No, convection. convection no. Helps a bit. Let the air flow. Let the air flow in your oven, and it'll create that crust, basically. Yeah. problem with most ovens is they're not even, so... Convection is actually a very cool thing for baking because it keeps things even. The air is flowing through. And then high heat to start is always a great idea because it crisps up the outside and keeps the tenderness on the inside. Another trick is like on a shortbread, rolling it when it's still in a, if you're making a roll mm-hmm. instead of just in a pan, is put some demerara sugar on the outside mm. and it crunches beautifully when you eat the cookie. It's really crunchy. Next one is about pork belly. Favorite preparations. Hey, my my, we we do pork belly at the restaurant, and we have a Cuban spice rub that we make as well, just like the jerk spice. And our Cuban pork belly, we we basically 
if we're not doing it on fire or in the, in the on on a grill, we will uh, roast it and then um, let that skin separate from that first layer of fat. Then chill it and let that fat go up to the bottom, and then we cut it up and then we um, flash fry it. Flash fry it and get oh, fast yeah. chicharron, and you get that tenderness of the meat and the juiciness still because that fat went right back into the meat. Whoa, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where can I find green tomatoes? At your home. <laughs> uh, Throw them yourself. It's this time of year, it's hard. This time of the year, right. I don't think so. Inside. Yeah. yeah, I think this time of the year, probably not, but... Wait, a, wait another couple of months, and then you'll find some green tomatoes yeah. available. We actually buy them direct from Charlie's because he's got a ripening situation. And so he starts with a greener tomato, and so we can buy them. But you don't see them in the grocery store. Yeah. Unless you is can there, grow is, them in your house. Is there an ethnic <laughs> market that uh, works on green tomatoes? Like the, a what? Some sort of ethnic market, I was just wondering. Oh. Like sometimes you see kinds, all kinds of wacky eggplants at Wajamaya this time of year. and. I, I just I just think uh, February, February and yeah. March in Seattle, green yeah. tomato is going to be a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, true. And ending with a, a bit of a scientific one, is there a difference in a hard boil or a soft simmer in um, making your stock? Sure. Yes, simmering is always a better thing. Let it simmer for a little bit longer than you would boiling fast. Now, there are different uh, train of thought. If you're doing, for example, I, I like to use, after I roast a chicken, I like to bone the chicken out and keep those bones and make a stock out of that. Now, that's a quick boil, and that's about 30 minutes. Now, if I'm making a, a raw bone from scratch, I roast the bone, put them with vegetable, put them in a pot, cold water, and then I bring it to a boil. Then I simmer it down for a couple of hours. Those are the two different ones. Well, it's also a cultural scenario no, no, there course, too because if you want some of the tastiest ramen you're ever going to get it's from a stock that's been hard boiled uh to re uh, incorporate the fat into the broth mm-hmm. right and that's why it's all cloudy and right so that's a certain style of broth for ramen so there's a big difference in the temperature and treatment well, in your yeah. result yeah right. I, think, I think it's the molecular structure obviously um, do, like the change of the molecular uh structure of the fat in the not just in ramen broth, but in anything that you're boiling that has fat in it, and that slow simmer is going to allow that to kind of like stay the way it needs to be, and then the hard boil is going to separate it, and then you'll be able to bring it back in, and then, you know, you break it down, you break down the, you know, the chemical structure. Love the science, and don't worry about removing the fat on any stock. Just put the stock outside, especially today. Let it cool off, and in, uh, in an hour, you'll have all that fat right on top. Then you can take that fat, put it in a cup next to your stove, and use that for cooking when you want to do a hot sear. Yep. Brilliant. You're talking about the sh- uh, schmaltz from the chicken. Yeah. yeah. Chicken, whatever you're cooking, whatever stock you're making, duck, chicken, even bacon. That's what bacon we do fat. for the jerk fried chicken, the half chicken. We, yes. we take that schmaltz, and we... We cook the um, the next batch of chicken in that, so that we mm. basically confine and then flavor and, and then flavor. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, there's so many times people just don't think about fat in the as being as useful as it is. So, like when you're making a New York steak, for example, and and I know Chef would, Terry would probably go with uh, the Burt and Wazette, right? The little brown butter seared. No, in. no I but mean, for me, I take a little slice of that uh, 
fat off the outside of the strip, and I render that in the pan, and then I cook my steak in the beef fat. And it just helps with Tallow. the beefiness. It, yeah, it depends the on the thickness itself. of your steak. If it's, a, if it's a quarter inch, then yes, I will go with butter. But if it's a, an inch and a half to two inch steak, I will definitely go with some fat because the butter is not going to be good enough to cook that the way I want to. And I think the fat, what's cool about it is you put it in the pan when the pan is super, super hot, and the fat just goes straight onto the, the pan. Then you put your meat in there, and it gives you that gorgeous sear that you're looking for. And you can buy beef tallow in the stores, too. but <laughs> It's very expensive. It's amazing how much people throw away. They, they yeah. don't think about it, uh, rendering it themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, or, between clogging your pipes and, uh, you know, dirtying your garbage, it's kind of like, hey, it's a waste. You guys drink alcohol and smoke and all that stuff. I eat fat. See, those are my things. <laughs> Uh, well, you don't oh, eat sorry. that much fat. I'm sorry. We eat fat, too. Oh, damn. Man, you guys got it all. We drink, we drink, eat, coffee. We drink <laughs> coffee and we eat fat. But coffee's good for you, though. Is it? Yeah, of course little, it is. Yeah, a little. Yeah. Keep your well, if you're up. watching our show today, you can see Trey from the last time he was on here. He said you lost 40 pounds. Is that right? Whoa. Yes. Yes, I have. But that was due to eating. Um, because well, as, not eating. As, as, you know, you... Most people think that chefs eat throughout the day because we're cooking all day. That's quite the opposite. We don't eat until we leave and we go home and we decide to make a sandwich, some eggs or, you know. And when I say eggs, I mean like lots of butter, nice and creamy mm-hmm. with cream cheese. in it. And, 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 not, and not one egg, three eggs. No. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I eat six. Uh, and, and a nice crusty bread and we're, you know we're toasting that and some butter too and we're eating that and creamy and stuff like that you know we eat that one to two meals a day usually but and it slows our metabolism down tremendously but i had to take control of that and start eating throughout the day and um lost 40 pounds easy nice job good for nice you job. like tremendous all right uh you know what's next right it's the last segment last part of our hour we get to share with you it's time for food for thought tasty trivia brought to you by rub with love spice rubs uh when we come back it's the hot stove society show 97.3 fm welcome back it's the hot stove society show on cairo radio uh, we are ready to play Food for Thought Tasty Trivia, brought to you by the Rub with Love family of spice blends, tangy sauces, and perfect mustard. Keep them in your pantry to dress up any meal. Rub with Love is available at most grocery stores and in areas like uh, Metropolitan Market. I know they have it at the Ballard Market, where I shop oftentimes, in Shoreline Central. Uh, Jay Matheson Gifts in Everett, made in Washington stores, McClendon Hardware stores, uh, they're all out and about, and we're trying to get Trey's jerk in all of those locations, too. So, Pamela, uh, tell us how to play the game, who wins what, and all that sort of thing. Each of the contestants is going to get five questions, uh, and there's a winner and loser based on how many correct answers you have. And oh. this week's prize from Rub With Love, of course, is Trey Lamont's Spectacular Jerk Rub <laughs> and my Spectacular Veggie Rub and the new Pizza Spice. And so it's a trio. Spice. Nice job. Wow. And, uh, just so you know, Hildegard and uh, Trey, the loser has to pay for shipping. Oh. Shipping is expensive right now. <laughs> yeah, especially but, who's, who's the winner? Who's going to be the uh, winner? Uh, Tom's going to draw from these names that so were submitted. So you have submitted. to ship it across the room. I, I ship yeah. it across the room. Okay. okay. Much okay. Now, Trey. Just so you know, Trey uh, picked out a helper here from uh, the audience. Uh, the lo- you are live, right, Hildegard? 
Uh, Hildegard is going to join us. And Hildegard, when you answer a question, you have to jump right up into that microphone. And you and Trey are going to take on the mighty, powerful Tom and Terry. Actually, you're taking us on individually. So, Pam, let's do it. Let's do it. You're first. Go ahead. Dear friend, Terry. uh, Watch how Terry does this, and then you'll know what's coming. (laughs) Watch how I do it and do better. All right. In measurement terms for dry ingredients, which is bigger, a pinch or a dash? A pinch. A pinch is a sixteenth of a teaspoon, and a dash is an eighth of a teaspoon. Oh. Generally. All right, the, next. the important wine-growing region, the Barossa Valley, known for its Shiraz, is in which country? Barossa. Uh, Australia. Yay! Yes. <laughs> she knew that. What is the other common name for Sherval, the mild... Flavored member of a the common party. name for chervil. I didn't know they had another an, name. I think it's an, tasteless, is what they call it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tom hates chervil. I love chervil. I don't know. Then they have another name, but maybe a, a wild tarragon or light tarragon or fennel something or mint something. Starts with a C. <laughs> with a C. That was five wrong answers. That's a record. <laughs> I know. Uh, let me try one more. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. C- Cecily. Sweet Sicily. Oh, sweet Sicily. Yes, it's a different. It's different, though. It's not the same herb. It's, I challenge that. Okay, you did I'm this last my week yellow, too. What is it? The, uh, the red flag. The yeah, red flag. I'm throwing <laughs> my flag. I want a review on the. Uh, okay, point five. Uh, <laughs> what is the stock that is used for the diplomat sauce? Um, beef. Fish. It's a fish stock base. Of, Velouté, is I, am I yeah. saying that right? Velouté sauce, enriched with cream. I'm going to get fired by lobster. a stuffier. <laughs> For no Brandy, lobster, butter, and truffles. Yeah, so well. And finally, the terms groats and grits are often used interchangeably to refer to what type of food? Creole. <laughs> Creole food. Um, it's more the what the gro- grits and groats are made out of is what we're Corn. looking for. Corn. Corn, yep, coarsely ground, hulled, or crushed grains, such as buckwheat, barley, oats, or corn. How many did you get right? (laughs) Well, um, not enough. (laughs) That's a number, too. Two and a half, two and a half. Trey. Trey? Two ready. Trey, Trey. Hildegard. How many of these questions would have you gotten? I think I would have gotten two of your questions. Yeah, so... uh, (laughs) Good luck. I went, but with the partner, we would have got four. Because oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. So. All right, team. What is the most common meat used for the Italian dish, osobuco? Oxtail. No. Ox- that's what I make it with, but veal shanks. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. Again, osobuco is from veal shank. Veal shank. That's what there she is. just said. Yeah. No, she said oxtail. I know, but she but, said uh, veal shank. It, oh. But Sorry, I use oxtail a lot. Very competitive. They get one. Are we chef? No, no. I'm well, just one point. <laughs> depends on where. Oh, it depends on where you're cooking it. So if you're if you're in the south, deep south, and you're deep south of what? Italy? No, 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 no. not of Italy. <laughs> That's what she said. If you're in the deep Italian. south. I know, but Italians <laughs> have I have a huge influence in in Louisiana as well. So. If you're in Louisiana, it's going to be oxtail. If you're in Italy, it's going to be veal. Yeah. <laughs> you okay. are a diplomat, and we're going to make the diplomat <laughs> make sauce, sauce out of you. Hey. You uh, have to use what you have. <laughs> Number two, on what part of the citrus fruit do you find the pith? The 
pith is right underneath the um, the skin. It is the white part of the yep. um, citrus fruit. They're screaming ahead of you, chef. <laughs> no, they're even right now. Okay, it's the bitter part. What um, <laughs> What are you doing to a chicken when you spatchcock it? You are removing its spine and cutting it down the middle, basically, and flattening it out. Do you agree with him? Absolutely. Way to go, Hildegard. Three to three. Okay. okay um, now they'll head. Number four. Please name two vegetables you expect to find in succotash. Onion and celery. Hmm. That's not working. Huh? <laughs> I'm sure she was not looking for that. Or, or are we talking about the root vegetables? <laughs> no. I think she wants corn. I want no, corn. No. I want lima beans. Yeah. yeah. Well, Carrots. But you that, that's another regional thing too. You're not gonna get <laughs> seriously. You're not gonna get lima beans in every succotash. <laughs> but corn, corn definitely, corn definitely, and I would say um, sweet potato for me. Oh, yeah. regional. Yeah. that is regional succotash. Yeah. Point five. Yeah. This guy is a diplomat, all right. <laughs> wow. Okay, so where do we stand, Terry? What's uh, what's the score? Well, right now they're at four and a half, four and a half point, and they have one more question to go. <laughs> How did that work? I mean, they got four and a half I mean, points, and there's only still a question to go. I yeah. know. I mean, uh, that's going to be like, uh, no, three and a half. They are yeah. three and a half okay. right now. The Japanese are big fans of yuzu. What is yuzu? It is a citrus fruit, kind of like a little lemon or orange, but is way sour. It's kind of like a mini sour orange. Woo! Yay! Right. I actually grow it on my front porch. You can? <laughs> Excellent. Awesome, four and a half. Oh Hildegard, my god! Thank you so much. You can stay and take your bow here when uh, yeah. we, after I finish. I mean, you scored big, big, big. Okay. Hi, Tom. Hi. How many tablespoons are there in a half cup? Eight. What is the natural sweetener malt syrup made from? Barley. Yes. Number three. I, so, I get very offended when you act surprised. <laughs> I get offended that he guessed it and, and he was right. I mean. <laughs> beer, he knows this. I don't drink beer. Oh, no, no. Please name the animal and the part of the animal that provides us with guanciale. It's the jaw of the pig. Yes, thank you. <laughs> What is the Spanish name for the single-serving turnover with a pastry, crust, and savory meat and vegetable filling? Empanada. Empanada. And finally... Ooh la la, four out of five. Watch it. Bonus point here. A nod to the uh, tragic happenings in the world in the news, but a different take. Please describe the alluring characteristic of the famous Ukrainian dish, chicken kiev. 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 Uh, <laughs> Uh, they've been pronouncing it on the news, Kiev. I, I know, didn't realize I that. That's that's it's spelled differently. It's K Y V I V. Yeah. No, we always said K E I V. Yeah. Kiev. They say, but it's Kiev is what they've been pronouncing. Anyway, it is tragic and um, super sad about that. Uh, it is a chicken breast that's um, got ham and cheese in the middle. I know, and it squirts out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's breaded. It sounds weird. I, but I can't wait to hear about that. Anything breaded is delicious. <laughs> it's like a it's like a croque monsieur without all the breading and everything. It's yeah. just the chicken and the cheese and the ham. I think Mr. Douglas five out of five for Mr. Douglas. Terry, you have to pay to have the delivery of the spices to let our me, winner. Let me get my uh, FedEx truck. And Pamela, who did you say the winner? Let's pick a. Let's You're pick picking a name. it, Matthew Craddock. Oh, hey, all right. Matthew. 
If you want to be part of the show, you can join our community on Facebook Live at Hot Stove Society Radio Show. You're listening to us on Cairo. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley, Sean McFadden, and our editor is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. And remember, if you miss any episode of our show on 97.3 FM, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Have a fabulous weekend. Thank you for listening.